All right, we are back here on this Thursday. It is budget day in the province, and coming up, we got complete coverage. Later this hour, we will cover the politics of the budget, because as we've been talking about in our first hour, with a provincial election looming, again, this budget, it's being seen more as a campaign statement or a campaign platform from the conservatives as much as it is a financial statement or a financial budget. Many people are wondering whether or not what we hear at four o'clock this afternoon, if it's even going to come to fruition because we just don't know what's going to happen with the uh, upcoming election in a uh, month's time. Anyways, we'll break down the politics of today's uh, budget coming up a little later this hour. First up, though, let's get into the uh, dollars and cents and what we expect to hear, what might be included in this provincial uh, budget coming down this afternoon. Here's personal finance expert Rabina Ahmed-Hawk, who joins us on the line. Hey there, Rabina. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. All right, let's start with uh, what we do know. Global News has confirmed that the Ford government's uh, budget, which will be tabled this afternoon, will increase the eligibility for low-income workers, uh, the low-income workers' uh, tax credit. It's going to go, uh, Rabina, we hear from uh, thirty-eight dollars to uh, $50,000. That's right. And, you know, uh, that doesn't mean much when you put big numbers out there like that, but that could mean for those people receiving that credit an extra $300 in tax relief for 2022. So that's what it really means in the dollars and cents. But it is good that they've increased that threshold from $38,000 to $50,000, recognizing that those individual families making less than $50,000 are living really um, on the brink of you know their finances. They're finding it difficult to pay all their bills. So that recognition alone, I think, is really important, more than the actual money that people are getting, that recognizing that life is getting more expensive and it's affecting those on the lower end um, at, at a more drama- in a more dramatic way because they already are living at so, uh, so much at the financial edge. Yeah, and by increasing that threshold to $50,000, we hear that would impact an additional 700,000 700, people right across the province. And the fact that the Conservatives have leaked this, that we know that this will be part of the budget, is that foreshadowing at all? Uh, what can we tell, if anything, from that, Rabina, do you think? Does this mean this uh, budget is obviously going to be a lot about uh, affordability and the rising cost of uh, living here in the province? Yeah, I mean, they've already announced about $10 billion in spending, and that includes spending on things like health care. So that is for everybody. Um, not just those who are finding it hard to afford life right now. But whether you look at it from a federal point of view or a provincial point of view or even a municipal point of view, affordability is the number one talking point. Uh, People are finding it difficult to pay their mortgages, to pay their day-to-day bills. With interest rates rising, people are worried about their ability to pay, uh, to service all of their debts because life is going to get more expensive. And so the, the, there definitely is going to be a focus on affordable housing, on how they're going to make life easier for those people who are in the lowest income bracket, and what credits will be available, like the one that we just talked about, uh, that's going to help families that are living um, at you know uh, with less than $50,000 a year as a household income. All right. You mentioned affordable housing. Are you going to be listening in? intently about that, about housing and housing prices, and what, if anything, the provincial government is set to do about that, because obviously that has been an item that has been a big headline for particularly the last, uh, I don't know, seven, eight months, well, really the last couple of years, I guess, uh, last spring market, now this spring market, this red-hot housing market, just how many people have been priced out of it, and particularly how tough it's been for first-time buyers trying to get in. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, what is the Ontario government doing helping first-time home buyers afford a home in this province? Does that mean building more homes? Does that mean working with the federal government uh, to get more affordable homes built? Because it's one thing to say, okay, we're going to open up more area for development, we're going to build more subdivisions, but if all the homes are a million and a half, two million dollars, there's very few people that can afford those homes. It's just going to be maybe people selling their existing property to move into a bigger property, or those who have deeper pockets or help from family members in order to afford that first home. It's not really going to address the fact that um, rents are higher, especially in the city of Toronto. For some people, they're paying up to 60% of their salary to go towards rent or mortgage. So what is the government doing to alleviate those pressures? Because we simply can't go on uh, in the kind of market that we're in right now where people can't afford to rent. And if they, you know, if they if they buy something, they're always worried about interest rates going up and being unable to afford that home for the long term. In our last hour, we were talking with the Ontario Chamber of Commerce and they flagged that as well as a uh, concern because affordable housing, when there's no affordable housing, it makes it tougher for uh, businesses when it comes to attracting workers, keeping them in a certain area if they simply just can't afford to uh, live there. And as well, Rabina, they also talked about the need to support entrepreneurship in a small business. Are we expecting anything when it comes to small business in the budget uh, later on this afternoon? Of course, small business just coming out of another lockdown. They've uh, had a couple of months, uh, now a few months of uh, recovery without the lockdown in place. But uh, obviously, small business has been hit really hard this uh, past year and throughout the pandemic. Yeah, and small business in Ontario has been hit particularly hard. Um, We are uh, in uh, Canada with the inflation numbers, for example, that came out last month. We're actually higher than the national average. So we're paying more year over year for the same basket of goods than the average Canadian. And so that hits small businesses, too, because when they're selling their products, it's costing them more to put it on the shelf. It's costing them more to pay the wages for the people that work there. Because if you live in a big, expensive city like Toronto, you have to pay workers more to keep them. Otherwise, they can simply can't afford to live there and they're going to move on to a different job or move out of the city. So absolutely, we're expecting more news about what they're going to be doing to help small businesses who have been struggling during the pandemic and also for those who will need support after the pandemic uh, to scale, uh, to continue to uh, be innovative. Uh, You know, uh, Toronto has been recognized as a hub for technology and, you know, rivaling places like in the States, like in California, in Palo Alto, other places where we think about technological innovation. Um, We have been recognized as a place that has a lot of that tech talent. So what is the Ontario government doing to support it, to keep workers here and to keep big businesses who big tech businesses here in Canada or in in Ontario, rather than sending them to British Columbia or other parts of Canada where they seem to be a little bit more friendly towards that industry? Let's talk a bit about health care for a second here. What are we expecting when it comes to the provincial budget in terms of health care? Because, Rabina, as we know, the pandemic really exposed some vulnerabilities to the Ontario health care system. Was the reason why we were locked down for so long was because of the fragility of our hospital system, our ICU uh, system as well. Are we looking for or are we expecting some big announcements around health care? 
So there already has been some money uh, of earmarked for healthcare to not only support hospitals, but to support workers. So to, to recruit more healthcare workers, because one of the biggest issues has been uh, during the pandemic is not even infrastructure, but bodies. We don't have enough doctors and nurses and technical staff and healthcare workers and support workers in the healthcare facilities uh, to accommodate uh, the kind of pressure that we had, uh, especially at the height of the pandemic. So more money, not just to build more infrastructure, but also to encourage uh, individuals to work in the healthcare sector because we have a burnt out healthcare system where a lot of people have dropped out of it. They're not coming back. And there's not, not much inspiration for young people when they watch with how healthcare workers have been treated in the last two years to get into that field. So more money to encourage people to continue to pursue uh, a career in healthcare uh, in order to you know, be ready for not necessarily the next pandemic. I hope that, that we're not going to have to face this again, but the next emergency where more, more hands are needed on deck in order to, to, to solve a healthcare crisis that, that may, be, may be acute, maybe just for, for a short amount of time or something longer term like we've seen during the pandemic. All right. And finally, Rabina, anything else that uh, you are looking for, listening for, anything else that we should all be aware of uh, in the provincial budget uh, that's coming? Yeah, so I'm looking really for pandemic recovery. I mean, there's, a, you know, the federal uh, budget, for example, focused so much on housing. And I understand that housing is top of mind for many people. But I really am still interested in knowing how are we going to make sure that we are treating the pandemic recovery um, with, with as much attention as possible? Because a lot of focus is now being put on, well, there's all this pent-up demand. People have all this money saved in their, their bank accounts that they're going to all of a sudden just spend on the economy. What if that doesn't happen? What if people decide to take that money and invest it or save it somewhere else or just not spend it? So what is the plan after the pandemic to make sure that businesses can get back to where they were before the pandemic and how can they support businesses so that they can increase wages for individuals because I have long championed that we do not necessarily have an affordability issue in this in this country but we have a wage issue so if we paid people more then all the inflationary pressures wouldn't feel as bad Um, so what are we doing to encourage companies to pay people more so is that increasing minimum wage is that creating more incentives so that people can feel more comfortable living in a city where the average home price for a detached home is $1.8 million. How are you making it so that doesn't feel um, impossible for some people to afford? All right, budget uh, just a little over 90 minutes away. Rabina, appreciate the preview and the time. Thank you as always. Thank you for having me. You bet. Rabina Ahmed Hawk, personal finance expert with us. And we're back after this here on the Jeff MacArthur Show. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance (laughs) recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.